0: This sermon, God's Rescue Plan, was preached by Derek Overstreet on Sunday, July 25th, 2021 at Sovereign Grace Church. Well, good morning, everybody. The last sermon in James. Wow. Hard to believe. Trust that it has served you, and I hope that you know that we have a a library of all of our... Uh, James sermons as well as past series, so there's always a way to go back if you feel like it would just serve your soul as well, but what, what, what a study it's been. It has been food for my soul, and I, I can just stand up here and point to numerous areas in my own life where the Spirit has been at work as I have humbled my heart before this precious letter. We'll open up your Bibles to the final two verses of James. James. Chapter 5, verses 19 through 20, and then would you stand with me? Let's read together, and then we will pray together. James concludes his pastoral wisdom for these scattered believers with these words. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Maybe may be seated. Please pray with me. Oh, Lord, our hearts are already full. (laughs) Our minds have been exploded already this morning with the theologically rich and so clearly Christocentric lyrics. Thank you for, for songs that reflect who you are and what you have done for us in Christ Jesus so clearly. Thank you for the men and women who you have gifted to pen and put truth to music so that With our voices, we can sing your praises in a way that that is in the Spirit and rightly reflects truth. But Lord, you have more for us this morning. For it's time to come to your word, where you not only spoke to this group of believers 2,000 years ago, but as the writer of Hebrews says, the Spirit says, not the Spirit said, But the Spirit says, you are speaking today through this letter to us as well. And so Holy Spirit, fill us afresh that we might receive, we might understand rightly and receive fully all that you have intended for us today through these final words of Jesus' brother, a wonderful man, a brilliant pastor, but above all things like us, a sinner saved by grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, James is 108 verses long. And in the first 106 verses, we have watched, we have been on the receiving end of James exhorting his readers and us by implication of the gospel to a life of holiness. Under the inspiration of the Spirit, And with the heart of a pastor, James has been clear. Watch your life closely, brothers and sisters. Pay careful attention to how you live. In a sentence, in James' sentence, be doers of the word and not hearers only. That's been... That has been loud and clear throughout, hasn't it? Well, now, in what is certainly an abrupt and unusual ending, there is no doxology, no grand doxology. There is no touching benediction. There is no intimate final greetings. James says something, at least, I did not expect, and I think most of us didn't expect, as a way to end a letter. He says, as you watch your life, keep an eye on one another. As you watch your life, as you pay close attention to your own heart, watch one another. We could say it this way. Pursuing God involves pursuing God's people. Last or, or uh, two weeks ago, we heard in, in thirteen through eighteen that, that we are to per, that we are to pray for one another, and now we see that we are to pursue one another. So James takes this this letter of over fifty commands and numerous rebukes, and he says, "Now pray for one another and pursue one another. Pursuing God involves pursuing." God's people. That's the big idea, if you will, and that is really the exclamation point on James Letter. Not only does God want you to be a doer of his word, he wants you to be concerned that others, beginning with this room, he wants you also to be concerned that others do as well. There's a good reason for that, and we'll learn that this morning. You know, we all know by experience, For sure, and certainly by the instruction of God's word, Christians are prone to wonder. Scripture warns of it, and history attests to it. And because life in Christ is personal but not private, when a brother or sister wanders spiritually, James says that we are called to a rescue mission. We are called to be involved with our wandering brother or sister. Of of all the things, of all the things that James could have said to close his letter, this is what he says. In the call to holiness, we will wander. When that happens, we rescue the wanderer. We go after the wanderer. Pursuing God involves pursuing God's people. Let me tell you how we get there. Two points this morning for those of you taking notes. First, Paul is going to, or Paul, James is going to remind us that wandering from Christ is real. That's our first point this morning, and I draw that from verse 19. Read it with me again. My brothers, notice the affection again. I believe 19 times, James, uh, James refers to the believers that he is writing to as brothers, brothers and sisters. This is a man whose heart is full of affection for his audience, and he gets one more intimate reference in before he ends his letters. He says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, wandering from Christ is real. I can remember four years old. Actually, I don't personally remember, but my mother has told the story so many times, it's as if I remember. We were living in Denver, Colorado. I was four years old. We were out on a Saturday at a big mall. And the rule was that I had to, at all times be holding on to the stroller of my little brother. That was the rule. And of course, my mom would be busy shopping. And this is no reflection on my mom, she was a great mom. (laughs) But she tells the story that one day she looked down and I was not there gripping the stroller. I was nowhere to be found, in fact. I had wandered off, not just somewhere in the store, I had wandered off into the mall, (laughs) a busy mall. The malls were a lot busier back then than they are today, aren't they? I had wandered off. Now, you can only imagine. If you're a parent, you know. If this has happened, you know what that feeling is, right? There is this immediate sense of urgency. Where is he? What, what happened? You're, you are looking around, and you, you immediately forget about whatever it is that you were doing, and now you have this new priority, You need to set out and go find your child that has just wandered off. Now, by the grace of God, as my mom was uh, urgently looking, I'm sure full of panic, the sweetest words she heard that day were over the intercom of some man that she had no idea who he was. When she heard, will the mother of the white-haired boy Derek who is four years old, please come to the security office. We have found your son. So there I was. She got there, and I was sucking on a lollipop, according to her telling of the story, and she was ready to kill me. (laughs) Every parent knows how real the possibility of a child wandering off is. And as James wraps up his letter, he reminds us in these opening verses of 19 how real the possibility of spiritual wandering is. Listen, just, let's just go back and put ourselves in the shoes of James' original audience. Being a follower of Jesus was no easy task in the first century, and I would submit to you, for James' audience in particular, that remember, they, they, are, they, they, they are religious outcasts. They have been driven away from their homelands, from their, the places where they, they, they got their livelihood. They are exiles. They are experiencing religious persecution combined with the emotional and practical suffering due to their dispersion. It was enough to make anyone rethink how they're living their lives. And and no doubt, some did just that and began to wander from the gospel truths they had been taught even by this very man who who, who is writing this letter and believed so fervently. There were some in this group who James was concerned That they were or would wander from the truth. Now listen, that's not new, is it? Just read the Bible. God's Old Testament people were legendary (laughs) for their wandering ways. How often did Paul, he repeatedly warned churches of spiritual wandering. Peter did as well. Hebrews Hebrews was written literally to a wandering group of believers. So this is nothing new. And 20 centuries later, who here doesn't know someone who has, who has or is wandering from the faith? People that you love. People that you have lived life with. People that you have spent in your your own front room, praying with. People who you have had rich, Christ-centered fellowship. People that that you have encouraged and been encouraged by. People that that have corrected you and have received correction from you. People that, that, that you have served with on Sundays, that you have sat right here in this room with. People that you have laughed with and cried with, sat in community group with, Sang with, had game nights with. People God knit you into, but they wandered from the truth of the gospel. Whether it is worldly ambition, the lust for leisure, the culture creep, The power of politics, spiritual complacency, or the itchy ears that Paul warned us all about, whatever it may be, those things have invaded their hearts and the authority of the Bible, the hope of the gospel, and the centrality of the local church are slowly and subtly eroded away. And suddenly peoples whose hearts were once filled with wonder for God wander from God. We all know someone. I do. Maybe that's the face that's coming to your mind right now, I would submit to you please first receive this sermon for yourself (laughs) and pray for them. And be careful how you talk about them. But we all know someone, we all know someone And, and the reality is apart from the grace of God, it can happen to anyone in this room. James can have anyone in this room in mind. And in fact, I would just don't want to move any further until I acknowledge. Maybe it's happening to you right now. Maybe right now you are wandering. Maybe you're not even aware of it, but you are. Or maybe you are aware of it. Maybe right now you are wandering. Listen, James ends this letter by reminding us in the, this wonderful, gracious, humble, and pointed call to holiness that this letter represents. He reminds us it's possible to wander from Christ, and that's why. Point number two, pursuing one another is paramount. Wandering from Christ is real. James tells us that in verse 19, and that is why he writes what he writes next, which in a nutshell, he reminds us that pursuing the wanderer, pursuing one another, is paramount. Notice what he says, verse 19 again. My brothers... If anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back. If someone wanders from the truth in your midst, and someone brings him back. James, James takes us from this sobering reality of, wa- of a wandering believer to this soaring hopefulness that that wandering believer can actually be brought back <laughs> that there's hope the wandering christian can be brought back it's a reminder for us in these what seem to be very man-centered words and we'll talk about that in a moment that god does not give up on his people god does not forget his people god rescues his people Do his people wander from him? You bet we do. We are prone to it. But God rescues his people. How? With his people. (laughs) You see what James says there? He says, someone among you wanders, and someone, if anyone among you wanders, and someone brings him back. God rescues his people with his people. I said this earlier, but in verse 16, James exhorts us to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another. And now he exhorts us here to pursue one another. Did you notice the word? Look at, look at your Bible for a moment. It's, what is it? If, if anyone among you wanders, it doesn't say call the elders so they can bring him back. It doesn't say email your pastor your concern so that he can bring him back. It says, someone, you don't have to be a leader. James says, someone brings him back. This is a call to rescue for all of us. When someone in the church wanders from the truth, it's not a pastor thing. It's a church thing. It's a you thing. You are God's agent of spiritual rescue. Now, certainly the pastors play a particular role, and there are certain situations and circumstances where you want to get a pastor involved, but to see what he's saying, someone, someone among you, go after him. This is a call for us all. And what a call it is, because notice what he says next in verse 20. He says, The one who brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. A couple things here. First, We can read this and clearly see that for the wanderer, the stakes couldn't be higher. It's life or death, James says. Because to wander from the truth is to wander from the word of truth, Christ himself. And to wander from Christ is to reject God. And listen, while there is great mystery connected to God's sovereignty and salvation and his preservation of sinners, what I mean by that is there is a clear call in Scripture for the saint to persevere, and yet we know that God is the great perseverer that no one will see heaven apart from persevering in the faith, and ultimately no one will persevere in the faith apart from the preserving work of God. It's a mystery. (laughs) And if you figured it out, you're arrogant. (laughs) So so there's mystery here. But remember what the writer of Hebrews said. If you neglect this great salvation, you have nothing. You have no life. Because what are you turning to? What is there to turn to if you turn away from Christ? So James, in his own way, says if you wander from Christ, then you've wandered from life. And there's nothing the opposite way except for spiritual death. James is, James is reminding us here that truth is more than propositions and creeds. It's living and active. It sharpens our mind. It informs our affections and expresses itself through our lives. Truth and godliness go together. And when we turn away from truth, then we show ourselves to reject the Lord. James says when we observe someone in the church wander from truth, it's serious. That's the point he's trying to get across here. It's serious. A rescue is needed. Pursue that person. And Did you notice what he says? That their sins may be covered and that their soul may be saved from death. What? That's serious. And it seems to put the someone in the space that only God can contain. You may be saying to yourself, and I hope you are, well, wait a minute, time out, Pastor, before you go any further. I can't do that. (laughs) I can't. I can't go to the wanderer and save their soul from death. I can't cover the multitude of their sins. Scripture's clear, Pastor, God alone can forgive sins and save sinners. You are right, but that's not James' point. And I thought about trying to explain what James is trying to accomplish here, and then I had a conversation with James Motier, (laughs) And I said, I'm just going to let him say it, because he says this wonderfully. He says, how can we do these things? Meaning, how can I save someone's soul from death and cover multitudes? He says, the answer is that we cannot, but we must act as if we could. The words express the measure of concern and effort we are to expend in our spiritual concern for those in spiritual need. Though we cannot convert them, we must labor to do so. Though we cannot save them from death, we must strive for their spiritual welfare as as if their eternal destiny rested with us. Though we cannot cover their sins, we must follow the example of the Son of God who can do so and hold nothing dear to ourselves and no sacrifice too great if only they are saved. Well said, Mr. Mateer. James is not theologically confused here. He chose his words under the inspiration of the Spirit. That means this is God speaking. And he chooses these powerful words to inspire us and to impress upon us the priority of pursuing the wanderer in our midst. James knows that God alone saves. James knows that God alone sanctifies. But in that divine work, he uses his people. God is a God of means, and God works through means. It's why we are called to preach the gospel, because if we don't preach it, then who can hear it And if you don't hear it, then who can believe it? And if you don't believe it, then you won't have eternal life. That doesn't mean the power is within us. It means that in God's infinite wisdom, he designed his plan of salvation to go forward. How? Through the means of his evangelizing people. And we see that same idea here, that God brings wandering sheep back into the fold. How? Through his people. And it's so serious that we should give ourselves wholly to it in pursuing that wanderer in our midst. And that's the point of James' language here. He is trying to impress upon his readers. This is serious. Do all that you can. In fact, just act like it depends upon you while knowing that it is you are completely dependent upon the Lord and you can change no one. So this is not optional. Pursuing one another is not extreme. Wandering is real. We must pursue one another. This is not cultish. It's certainly not easy, is it? But it is God's design, and it is the gospel nature of his church. It's the gospel nature of this church. Listen, our fellowship is a fellowship of generous encouragement toward one another, mutual care of one another, and humble concern for one another. And that's what James is getting at here. Don't just be concerned with your own pursuit of the Lord. I want you to be concerned with those around you as well. Pursue them. Humble concern for one another should characterize a Christ-centered church that has the right view of both justification and sanctification. James knows this, and so he is spurring us on to pursue One another. That's why he says a soul is saved from death and a multitude of sins are covered when someone brings a wanderer back. You know what I love about this? I I actually love how James ends this. This book is, (laughs) you know, you, you better be rooted in the gospel if you're gonna read James. There's a lot about morality, isn't it? But I love how James ends his focus here is not morality. It's eternity. This is is eternal language. In a sense, James in his own way is drawing us to to an eternal perspective, an upward focus. These aren't man-centered words at all when when you understand them rightly and, and, and within the confines of Scripture. James is giving us He's exhorting us to to think about the end game. And I love the fact that he ends it that way because what could you and I possibly be involved in that is more glorious than God's rescue plan? Anything? What'd you do this week? I, I did some pretty fun things but to be used in the hands of the creator. Whether that is to evangelize a, an unforgiven sinner and lead them to Christ, or it is to pursue a wander in the church and be used by God to help their hearts be open to, to what is going on. What, what else? What else could I be involved in? That would be more glorious than the work of God that since the beginning of time and indeed from the, uh, before the foundations of the world, he set out and he is carrying all things to his intended purpose. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. So James says, church, spiritual wandering is real. No one's immune from it. Scripture warns of it. History attests to it. And I would dare say each one of us in our own lives can probably testify as well. And certainly we can all testify as we have watched those around us at times wander. And that's why pursuing one another, that's why church life, that's why living with one another Knowing one another and being known by one another is so important. Now, pursuing a wandering brother or sister can be scary, can't it? <laughs> it, it can be intimidating. It leads you to go, you know, who 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 can do these things? There are a few things, at least for me, that 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 where I feel my desperation. For the wisdom of the Spirit and the power of the Spirit than when I am trying to help a wandering brother and sister, and I, and I think that's why too often we don't, <laughs> or we might dabble in it, but we pull back pretty quick. It, it's, not, it's not too far in that, that you realize I'm in, I'm in deep waters here. I'm pretty ineffective here. I think that oftentimes, instead of pursuing the wandering brother or sister in our midst, it's easy for us to just kind of parrot, you know what? The Lord's in control. Only the Lord knows. God has to change their heart. I can't change anybody. I can trust them to the Lord. Now, Those things are true. The question is, When we when that's our response to wandering believer, oftentimes I think that can be a religious version of live and let live. They'll have to answer to God, each to his own. Because I don't want to spend the energy and I don't want to risk the reputation. I don't want my name on the social media thread. And if you try to rescue a wandering believer, chances are you will become the problem. But we must. James would say to those things, no, it's serious. Because if someone wanders from Christ, they have nothing to go to. And God uses you to bring them back. So someone, pursue them. So, the remaining time I want to put forth some wisdom for the rescue. Five things that I hope will equip us all. First, discern. Am I the someone? (laughs) Am I the one that God wants to use to bring back the wandering brother. We should always, James' words remind us that we should always be willing to be the someone to bring them back, but that doesn't mean that we should necessarily assume that we are the someone to bring them back. How do you know? Well, do you have a relationship with this person? Relationship is important when you begin to get involved with somebody who's going astray. Maybe somebody else has a a better relationship with them? Do you have a relationship? Is there somebody else who might be equipped a bit better? Whether it's just in their particular situation, perhaps their own, their own experience. Maybe they've been there, done that. Or sometimes it's just a spiritual maturity. That's okay. We're all growing according to where God has us. But the point is, be willing to be the someone but don't assume you are the someone. In fact, I would submit to you, if you're, if you're struggling with that, don't just say, well, God will get someone. <laughs> Call your pastors. Hey, I have a concern for my brother. Do you think I should pursue him? Do you think I'm the right person? Get counsel. So discern, am I the someone? Second, guard. We want to discern, am I the someone to go after this wanderer? And then second, we want to guard. Guard your own heart. <laughs> Listen, bringing someone back takes courage, doesn't it? If you've ever, if you've ever uh, t- t- tried to come alongside a brother or sister who's struggling spiritually, it takes courage. I'll tell you why in a moment on the third one. <laughs> but that courage oftentimes is not clothed in humility and gentleness. (laughs) Guilty. I'll be the first to raise my hand and say, guilty. I have pursued many a wandering believer, and I can tell you that I have not always been humble and gentle. Instead, I've been the opposite. Arrogant. And self-righteous. And let me tell you about the spiritual wonder. They can discern the difference. They know if you're being self-righteous. They, they see if your heart is... If you're, if you're coming in a spirit of humility and gentleness and alongside of them... Or you are arrogantly and self-righteously trying to rawhide them. (laughs) They know. The difference is easy to spot, and it could mean the difference between pushing them farther away or drawing them back in. So discern, am I the someone? Guard your heart. Clothe yourself with humility and gentleness as you go. Third, connect. Connect discern, guard, connect. Connect their, what I mean by that is connect their thoughts and behavior. Connect what they are doing. Connect their wandering with Scripture. What do I mean by that? Help them see their sin as sin. (laughs) Listen, we need to get back to biblical language and categories it is so easy for us to cover up what is an offense and grieves the spirit with harmless euphemisms, neutral, neutral words and ideas that, that we get from the world. Laziness is laziness. Anxiety is anxiety, worry, sinful, I'm frustrated. I don't even know what that means. It probably means you're impatient and you're angry. You know what scripture calls that? Help them see sin is sin. We, we, we live, listen, we know this. We live in a society where increasingly you are not allowed to call something what it is <laughs> because you might offend somebody or they might interpret it to mean. Something or to be a particular dog whistle. That's the society we live in. And that culture creep finds its way into the church quite easily. And so we must work hard, particularly, not just in our own lives, not just with those that we're in, in living life with and, and we're growing and we're not wandering, but in particular with those who are wandering from the Lord, they need to see what is truly going on in their hearts, that it is an offense to God and that it is not okay with the Lord. And in doing that, we want to call them humbly and gently to repentance because repentance is the pathway to change. That's what Scripture teaches us. That's the pattern that we see in places like Ephesians 4 and Colossians 3. And so we we help them see their sin as sin. We call them to repentance, and we exhort them to righteousness. In Colossians 3, Paul said, he wrote, he said, to set your eyes to identify with Christ who is above. And then he says, mortify your sin. Once you have identified with, with who you are in Christ Jesus, then fight your sin, but it doesn't end there. What does he say? And put on righteousness. Because when we turn from sin, we're turning to something else. We're turning to to right living. We're turning to righteousness. We're turning that which honors and, and brings glory to our Father. And finally, root them in promise. Root them in the power of the Spirit. Root them in the promise that God is at work. Root them in what we learned earlier in James 4. God opposes the proud, but he pours out his grace to the humble. And as you humble yourself, as you wash your hands, as you, as you call your sin sin, he will exalt you as you humble yourself. Call them to promise. Give them the hope, not in a formula, do that, don't do this, do this, and everything will be okay. That's not the point. <laughs> root them in promise. We leave them there, we leave them to themselves. And so root them in promise. Fourth, point. Point them to the power of the gospel. Point them to the power of the gospel where they will find new mercy. Lamentations 3. Where they will find unending forgiveness. We sang about it this morning. Where they will find transforming grace. And where they will find real power for real change. What did we learn last week? Gospel heals the unhealable. The gospel saves the unsavable. Lepers to saints. That's what you and I have to give the wanderer in our midst ultimately. Listen, you you, you can discern. And, and, and I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not taking away from my earlier ones but there's I want to see a reality we can discern we can guard our hearts and, and and we can connect to scripture what's going on in their lives but if we're not pointing them to the hope of the gospel <coughs> then we're not pointing them to the source which is Christ Himself. We're not pointing them to the only power for both salvation and sanctification. Listen, there's a place for personal testimony, there's a place for real life experience, but ultimately, The gospel is all we have to give to the wandering Christian. It's the only song we have to sing to one another at the end of the day. Because the spiritual wanderer, they don't need a program or a formula. They need a person. They need a savior. And Christ cannot be whittled down to two plus two equals four. And so point them to the power of the gospel. And to the degree, if I could just say this, and to the degree that you that I, that we are pointing ourselves to the power of the gospel is very likely the degree in which we will point one another to the power of the gospel. And so, (laughs) the best thing that we can do for the wandering brother in our midst is to keep preaching Christ to ourselves. (laughs) Fifth, pray. So discern, am I the one? Discern, my memory doesn't go back very far. Guard, connect, point. Try and make a word out of that. I tried, but I couldn't figure that out. And finally, pray. Pray for them without ceasing. We just heard in verses 13 through 18. Pray for them for one another. Prayer, prayer is sometimes is all that you can do. The brother or sister wandering might not let you in. But prayer is powerful. Don't give up on them. The love that we are called to love one another with is a long-suffering love. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, it's a love that bears all things, that believes and hopes and endures. And so, be long-suffering, particularly in your prayers, for the wandering brother or sister, knowing that God's timing, guess what, is not always my timing. I love what John Piper said. He says, Sometimes the prayer you prayed 999 times is answered in attempt 1,000. Don't give up. Yeah, don't give up. So if you are that someone to go after that wandering brother or sister, know how serious it is, know how glorious it is, Discern, guard, point, connect, and pray. Now listen, as we close this precious letter, <coughs> I've got a frog in my throat. As we close this precious letter, I want to make one final connection. The call to holiness and the danger of wandering, what James says here, and what scripture says in other places, like Hebrews three thirteen, The call to holiness and danger of wandering are two primary reasons we prize and prioritize Sunday mornings and community groups. And I've asked him to write a blog post this week that connects what James is talking about here to community groups and, and, and why community groups are important in this area. I'm not going to spoil that. But please, look for it in your inbox. I think that it will serve and bless you. But this is why our Sunday morning gatherings are important. And this is why we want every member in this church to be part of a community group. Because in one sense, this is what we're doing being a part of a community group, being here, being fed by God's word can can keep you from wandering off. And so I want to make another appeal. Make being here on this day, at this time, a priority for you and your family. It's not just something we do. God uses it in your preservation. And clear your whatever night it is, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Sunday night, for your community group where God brings people around you (laughs) as guardrails. Now, church, first I want you to know, I think in this area, God's grace is abundant. In our church, the way you treasure our gatherings and the way you pursue one another, whether that's in community group or outside of community group, I I think it gloriously demonstrates your love for the Savior, your commitment, your understanding, your right understanding, and, and, and your Holy Spirit empowered commitment to God's Word, to passages like this, and really to understanding what a New Testament church ought to look like. I believe, Tim believes. We talked about this this morning in our pastor's prayer. Boy, there is grace. There is fruit. But like Paul told the Thessalonians in their understanding of loving one another, there is much grace, but all the more. (laughs) Continue. Continue in that. So that's my encouragement. Here's my appeal. If you are hit and miss on Sundays, if community group is not a priority on your calendar, I just want to humbly submit that you are very likely in danger of spiritual wandering. Indeed, you, you may you may be wandering now. The idea of an isolated Christian just out there living life with some, a few relationships here and there with other believers, that is nowhere to be found in the Scriptures. Nowhere. The Scriptures put forth a family living out life together for a lot of reasons, including to guard and protect God's precious people from wandering. So, I would encourage you, are you wandering this morning? And if you're wondering, well, how do I know? Well, there's two, two categories you can look at. And I just I make that appeal to you, informed by Scripture, from a heart of love and with genuine concern for yourself. And I think that's the same heart that James writes these believers as well. Amen.